Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Calling all podcasters, musicians, vloggers, and reporters, and everyone else who wants crystal clear recording that's super portable. The Sure Motive family of microphones makes studio quality audio that's as simple as plug and play. Many of the world's top podcasters rely on Shure, and with a Motive line of iOS and USB microphones, portability is now your friend. Imagine being able to get great audio quickly and easily from your phone, tablet, or computer. Simply visit Shure.com slash Motive to start getting great audio for your content now. That's S-H-U-R-E dot com forward slash M-O-T-I-V. Welcome. In a moment, you will meet someone will take you on a mystery's journey from all over the world. From all over the world. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome... And welcome to episode 61 of Motorcycle Madhouse. Today we got a special guest. We got New York. As everybody knows, New York is a favorite of uh, Insane Throttle on Motorcycle Madhouse. He actually did an article yesterday about the Mongols case and made a lot of great arguments. And today we're going to get into that. We'll get into uh, the Pagans case being dismissed. And uh, let's have some fun. Hey, what's up there, New York? Hey, Hollywood, how you doing? Just sitting here looking out the window, snowing. Is it snowing by you? Oh, my God, no, but it's colder than fucking cold up here, man. It might as well be Alaska. It's like 19 out here. It sucks. Yeah, they're calling for like eight inches tomorrow. So, <laughs> better than you than me. <laughs> uh, I got to get, get out of New York. Trust me. Down south, oh, my God. Better and better. Well, that and uh, with your politics up there, I can't blame you. But, hey, Illinois ain't that fucking different. (laughs) So what do you think, man? We got word today that uh, the the Pagans uh, case got dismissed. But uh, like we were talking about off air, man, uh, the DA said he reserves the right to reach file. What do you think about that? I think that's crazy. It's you know, it's uh, it's it's like giving somebody a, a smack in the kiss at the same time. They're already giving you a heads up what they got planned. They reserve the right to refile, and then to add insult to injury, uh, injury, then they go. He goes on to state that he wanted. This is not a direct quote, but he said something of the sort or whatever like that. But uh, he wanted to commend the uh, the plain clothes. I mean the um, the uniform cops for uh, keeping the situation as calm as possible in a chaotic situation. From the video I seen, I don't know what he was watching, but what I seen, they were in on it too. Exactly. You know what's funny you bring that up? And while we're watching the video, you can see one of the cops just sitting there watching the dude get pounded at the bar and yeah. does nothing about it. That was no. fucked up. Listen, if they were really, if they were there to really do their job, really do their job, all of them should have been in fucking handcuffs until they sorted it out. If they were really there to uh, protect and serve, like they say. But like I said in the article, you know, it's it, 
listen, at the end of the day, they ain't going to go against the grain. Those are, you know, those guys work with each other. They know each other's families, this and that. Uh, I, I'm not familiar. I've never been to Pittsburgh, uh, personally. I've been to PA, all over PA, but never in the, uh, the city of Pittsburgh. But I'm sure they all know each other. It's, it's, you know, it's not a, a huge community or whatever like that compared to like New York City or something like that. They're going to go against the fucking grain. You know what I'm saying? And then not only that, why ain't these, uh, why ain't these undercover, uh, knocks? How come, how come they're not being charged? So, you know, should right. you be, should you be grateful that they only put the fucking head in and then go balls deep on you? You know, exactly. I mean, like I said, I'm, I, I'm glad that the, I'm glad that the, the charges were dropped, but they already, they're already still walking under a piano by him making that statement that they're, uh, that they reserve the right to refile again. What the fuck is that? What are they right. doing? Giving the cops more time to get a case going? Well, exactly. And what's funny is this was supposed to be referred to the U.S. attorney. And, you know, we haven't seen no movement from the U.S. attorney because this is a civil rights type of case right there. What the hell we've seen on the video. The only reason why you're hearing about this on the news is because ha- they had no choice. That girl that you had on, I think her name was Gina, if I'm not mistaken. That right. uh, you gave the you gave the interview. They they knew that that thing was being recorded. They knew the place was uh, had surveillance all over the place. If that place was anywhere where there was no cameras or anything like that, those guys would have been sitting in jail and they would have got charged for fucking uh, assault on the police officers and every, resisting arrest and all types of things. And maybe I get a little. I'm not I'm not in no club or anything like that. But maybe I get a little emotional when I see shit like this because I myself was a victim to police brutality. I've been handcuffed, I've been tripped, had my face slammed on the floor, you know, all types of shit like that. So when I see stuff like that, you know, it sets me off a little bit. You know, it's a it's abuse of power once again. And now that these got now that the cases got dropped for now, for now, they're supposed to be grateful. Mm-hmm. And it leads me back to that thing that we talked about the last time, how you and I originally uh met and we started talking about that incident that happened in Rhode Island when the Bergen's right. uh clubhouse got raided. I'm not, I'm not saying, uh, anything, uh, shady happened or didn't happen, but when you see that type of shit, it makes you, you know, and nobody's around. Am I supposed to believe, you know, because they're a cop that they're telling the truth when they're sitting there doing shit like that? Right. Just like in the right. article I wrote, they're fucking running around, uh, running amok and, you know, and, and they do it, you, uh, carrying weight with them because they got a badge. No other right. reason, because I guarantee if those weren't cops and they were just a couple of construction workers like they supposedly told the owner at a bar, they wouldn't be acting like that. There would have never been a fight. No, uh-uh. No fucking way. And you know what's funny is I just got notified that Kopi's Bar just put a no-color sign on there and uh, no motorcycle club stuff allowed in the bar now. And ain't See, that now the shit? Suffers. Yeah, you, the, the motorcycle community, and I, his business is going to suffer because I'm going to get that out there because it's right there in the video. The pagans had nothing to do with this damn shit it was the damn cops and now the guy goes back and puts up a sign that there's no colors allowed and stuff you know insinuating that it was the pagans that started it it wasn't the pagans that started that shit it's right there in the video (laughs) yeah i was watching the video the pagans actually were by the front door and it was one of the cops i think there was two of them wearing camos but one of the cops is a, a, a slimmer gentleman or a gentleman whatever you want to call him uh with uh camos on he actually went and and uh, approached them and then came back. And there was another cop that went over there. So they just kept antagonizing. It was obvious they weren't going to stop until they started a fight. And luckily it started in there because if, if the pagans would have 
ended up leaving, and they would have ended up getting themselves in a situation where they weren't around a camera, they would have been finished. God knows what would have happened to them. The God, they would have, God knows the charges they would have had, and they would have caught, and they would have caught the beat down, and they would have got, uh, they would have got charged for assault for catching the beat right. themselves from the cops. You know what, you make a good point, and really what pisses me off a lot of the time is these civilians and a lot of these so-called biker clubs that actually support cops, uh, they'll go around and say, you know, they got a hard job, and you know what, they don't know nothing about the streets, and they don't know nothing about life if that's what the fuck they believe. Well, okay, you know what, let, let's, let's, for argument's sake, okay, let's say that's true, and let's let's be compassionate about that. So if they could play that card, why can't the regular guy who's a blue collar guy who's let's say he's in a you know he's in construction or a plumber whatever, why can't he have a bad day and use that card with the stress exactly and everything else right. you know everybody every listen there's not one person in this world that doesn't have demons that they don't fight with everybody's got problems but you know what exactly. when you suppose when you when you carry a shield and you and we're paying you with our tax dollars you're supposed to be held to a different uh, a different standard you're supposed to be above all that and what are they doing they're going fucking buck wild and i'm not saying you know a lot of people think oh this guy hates cops i don't hate cops cuz don't get me wrong i know some cops they literally they go there they really want to help people they do their time you know they do their shift and they go home but then you got a lot of guys too, who uh, got, men and women alike, who are police officers who abuse it. They have a fight with their wife, their husband, uh, maybe somebody's sick, and they start fucking abusing everybody. And then mm. you know who they gonna who they gonna believe? You or I? You know what I'm saying? If if, if you're a cop, you ain't gonna believe me. I don't. My my word don't carry shit. Right. You know who's gonna? Now, who's you gonna know what? Believe? You know what? You bring up a good point there about our not our word not meaning shit because it is funny when you walk into a courtroom and you know this. A judge would take a cop's word like it's gossip, but yeah, gossip and gold, let me tell you. But when it comes to a regular gossip, citizen, yeah. because they don't have the freaking uh, the badge and the gun, they don't give a shit what you have to say. Yeah, and not only that, you know, you see these guys doing this at a bar. It makes me it makes me wonder, you know, it, it, what are they done with with some guy, you know, uh, men and women who are sitting in a fucking in a jail cell right now as as we speak. Who got, uh, who were in the same situation, who got charged with, uh, 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 trying to assault them or something like that. Another thing I'm curious about, those cops, it was said that they were drunk all night. If those, uh, if those, co if the, uh, the cops that were in, uh, uniform, did they do a breathalyzer on them to see if they were drunk before they got in their cars and drove away? Did, they, did anybody take them home? Was that even brought up? Right. Did those well, that's cops, a good freaking point. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, but you know, and you, you'll never hear about this case again. Unless, unless it's going to be about these, uh, unless it's going to be about the pagans getting recharged, uh, recharged uh, again with the, uh, with the original shit that, uh, they dropped. And it's right. fucking, it, it's really ridiculous. Well, what surprises me even more is the DEA came right up on there and said the cops were withholding evidence. And what you said earlier, why the fuck ain't these cops in handcuffs? You mm -hmm. know, yes. this is where the citizens, and I'm not just talking bikers, I'm talking citizens, get pissed off and can't support the cops. And, uh, you know, we wonder, hey, is there two different levels of freaking uh, justice out there? One for us lonely people that get sent up for 25 to life, 
or, mm-hmm. you know, these other ones, if you got money, you know, like Clinton, you know, you get the hell out of everything. So Listen, if you got money to pay, if you got the money to pay for a good lawyer, you might have a half ass shot. When I, when I got in trouble, if I told you this, you wouldn't, people would think I was exaggerating. I used to have to show people the paperwork because they didn't believe me. When I got arrested, I beat, I beat three lineups. The victim himself, because it was a, it was a strong arm robbery case. The victim himself got on the stand and said, I didn't do it. The cops said that they arrested me. Now, I'm white. They said I fit the description of a, a, a light-skinned black male. When, they, when the jury was in deliberation, because uh, I went to trial, they offered me a cop-out, but I would have to testify against my co-defendant. My co-defendant, I went to trial. My co-defendant took the, um, took the cop-out and testified against me. Okay? Now, mm. when, when, when the jury was in deliberation, you know the fucking DA took the jury out for lunch that day? But that's oh, okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, and that's and, and, and that's on paper. That's on paper, and I couldn't even get an appeal. That was on paper, Uh-oh. so you know what? That, so that's why when I see stuff like this, it doesn't surprise me. And maybe that's why I get a little emotional with this, and I have a bad taste in my mouth from it. Is because you see it time and time again. Why do I gotta go on the internet and look myself to see what cops got busted for this or that? You know what I'm saying? Hmm. I get with that article that I wrote. Look how many fucking things that I put on there. But unless you go digging. You ain't going to find it. You ain't going to find it because if it ever is on the news and if the cops are wrong, you hear maybe maybe if you're lucky, you'll get a whisper of it, a whisper. Right. But when it's right. somebody who's not a cop, it's all over the fucking news. Exactly. You're straight on with that, man. Let me tell you. You know, <laughs> another, another thing with this, with the, with, with, with these, uh, the Mongols are going through. I mean, regardless, regardless, uh, what kind of club you're in, whether it's, uh, whether you're in the fucking Moosehead's Lodge or whatever it is, or uh, uh, even a Leo club or any other club, they start they start uh, taking trademarks. They can start doing it to businesses. They can start doing it to anything. They're sending right. the presidents, you know, and, and they're not going to stop until they get what they want. Once this starts, I'm telling you, it's going to be like we're living in fucking Australia. Well, that or, you know, the way, you know, the political environments don't want to be living in Venezuela or some bullshit, whatever they, how they say it down in South America. But this RICO case is so much, and you know what's funny about it? The judge even started out by telling all the jurors that nobody's going to jail, but it, it, it is a RICO case, but they're trying to backdoor it through a trademark law. And if they get the Mongols logos and stuff like that, nobody's going to be fucking safe. Nobody. Listen, if they, if they if they get that if they get that logo, if they're able to take that patch, that's that's it for all the other clubs. So you know, I really think that a lot of the, a lot of these clubs need to get together and support one another because honestly, it's it's a ta- it's an attack on everybody. It's an attack on everybody's rights, not just motorcycle clubs. It goes right deeper than that. Right now, they're they're trying to make the rules as they go along, and they're trying to throw out the Constitution and burn it right in front of your face. And so you know what? what? People do it. Don't let it happen. Yeah. Well, you see what it is. They 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 make they make it, you they make you feel like they're doing you a favor. That the, the regular they're trying to make the regular citizens out there like they're doing them a favor. We're protecting you, and that's how they take away your rights because we're doing it to protect you. Just like when right. they get the Patriot Act, they, that, that was another backdoor to do illegal law uh, tapping and this and that. I mean, come on, we, with these cell phones, they even admitted how many apps have you ever downloaded on your cell phone? What they're telling you. If you're giving them permission, hey, listen, we're gonna we're gonna have total access to your fucking phone. 
We're going to listen in. We're going to check all your raw contacts on it. We're going to check any type of video you got on, and people agree to it. I myself mm. had to agree. I got Messenger. I myself had to agree with it. But you, right. you, but what, what are you going to do? I mean, there's no avoiding it. It's they, you know, they have an endless amount of resources to, to exactly. do this. And what they do is they pull the rug out ever so slowly from under your feet until you, before you even realize you're on the floor. You don't, it, like I said, year by year, they take away a little bit more, a little bit more. And then 10 years down the line, you're like, holy shit. I look at it as like when you have a brand new car. And over the years, it starts to run a little more like shit. It happens so gradually, you don't even notice until you get into another new car. And you're like, holy shit, this car feels great. But, it ha you know, it, it happens so slowly, you don't even fucking realize it. Mm. So, <laughs> you're damn straight on that one. Uh, you know, this ain't only, we're, we're not only talking about, uh, the motorcycle club scene here. We're talking about, you can have Elks, Moose Lodge, anybody who the government at, uh, you know, the time gets a bug up their ass that wants to say, hey, well, you're a criminal. We can go and get your logo shit. It is dangerous shit right there. I think so, even more dangerous than some of the freaking laws in Australia. Cause yeah. they haven't even tried this shit. <laughs> you know, the U.S. is the first ones to do it. Well, like, uh, what, what about the cops? I'm curious who use, who use the badge to shake down people who are convicted under the RICO Act. There are cops out there who were doing 25, eight, uh, 25 years, 18 years or whatever, like those two cops in uh, Baltimore that probably hardly anybody who's listening even heard about. Seven right. of them got busted. Two of them got convicted because the other five decided that they wanted to roll over. So well, look uh, at I mean, the drug. I mean, well, look at that drug ring in uh, New York with the ten cops. Man, they got uh, hit with that shit. Yeah, there, and there was another one in Puerto Rico. Eighty nine, eighty nine cops got busted in a in, in a, an investigation probe. I'm just curious when they when they're using the badge as leverage to do illegal raids and this and that. How come that ain't considered a criminal enterprise? Why is it right. just the group? Why are they just charging the group itself? Why, okay, you're going to charge just the group of bad, the row cops, fine. Then why, when, when, uh, when a biker gets busted or a guy with, with the vowel at the end of his, uh, last name that, uh, they say is in, uh, uh, La Cosa Nostra or anything like that, how come those people aren't getting charged individually and not as an enterprise? Well, then if you're going to charge, you know, the bikers, because you got Joe Schmo who's just, he's guilty of being in the same club, another guy could do something that he had no, no fucking clue about. No clue about, but he's going to go down the same fucking river with them because he wears the same patch. Well, then how come those guys, the cops who got busted in the, how come everybody in the whole precinct ain't getting fucking busted? You're in the locker right. rooms, you're taking showers, you're with them more than your own family. You're going to tell me nobody else knew about it except those bad cops? Nobody knew anything? And if they didn't know anything, then I got a question, how good of a cop are you? Because if those guys could get away with that type of shit right in front of you, one of your partners or something like that, you're out there trying to fucking solve crimes? So either right. way, they have no they have no leg to stand on when it comes to uh, uh, a defense in that because it, it, it's it's a uh, it's double standard. It's not fair. It, it's really not fair. But what you know? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And you have to. Well, you know what? That's you know what you bring up an important point about uh, you know the other guy don't know what the hell's going on in a club, and next thing you know they're going after him for just wearing a patch. And that was one of the and I caught some heat over this and. You know, I wish it wasn't the Iron Order in Pennsylvania that had to go through that case because it could have cost everybody's shit. But uh, that Pennsylvania case where the lawyer came straight out and was saying, well, I want uh, the Iron Order to be held accountable for the action of their members. 
What people really didn't understand, because they couldn't get Iron Order out of their head, what they didn't understand was if the Iron Order lost that case, now it could be used against the Hells Angels, the Outlaws, the Pagans, the Mongols. That's what the same nobody exact thing with the Mongols, and you and you're dealing with the same mentality again because you get these people who uh you know they, they they wear the support shirts. Some will claim you know red and white, black and white, or whatever like that, and then it ain't the club that they're supporting. It's fuck everybody else. And there's certain situations where you can't look at it like that. You right. Can't look well, at it you like know that. what? You're exactly right because I had a hater up on uh, our YouTube channel come out and say, "Oh, it's just the Mongols. Fuck them." No, it's not just the Mongols in this case. It's them first, but you're next. The club that you like is next. Exactly. And do you ever notice that uh, the people don't have any skin in the game are the first ones to go out there and talk stupid shit? It, it, I, it always amazes me that nobody who's ever wore a patch in their life will come out and say some stupid shit and try to put their opinion out there that they don't know what the hell they're talking about. You know what pisses me off that you, now that you bring that up, what it's like? These uh, I see a lot of a lot of people commenting. Well, now the uh, the Mongols and all these uh, these one uh, percent of clubs know how it feels when they uh, look down on other clubs for wearing a three piece patch, or some people are just you know making up a, a diamond and putting it on their vest. I look at that. My personal opinion, nobody else's. That's like stolen valor. Okay, right. that's no different than somebody claiming to be in the military. And saying that they were in the Marines or they were in the, they were a Navy SEAL or something like that, people are going to be like, oh, how could you even get paid out? Are you going to tell me that there's no uh, veterans uh, that that are uh, in uh, outlaw motorcycle clubs? Of course there is. They were they were right. built. Uh, they were. That's how it was founded. These guys came home from war. These guys came home from war, World War Two and shit like that, and they, they had the. Uh, they had they wanted a brotherhood because they were they they missed some of the life overseas and stuff like that, so they went on the road. Together and they party together. It was you know because they didn't feel like you know they had anything in common with the regular uh, the regular civilians. So you know people who uh, people earned those patches. People put right. in a, a lot of hard work and just to go and create a patch and call yourself a three piece patch or something like that. My opinion is it's wrong. It's not right because you didn't earn it. Right. You, didn't earn well, it. you know and what those it are is. The ones they're who put too. The they're well, right. They're too scared to go through the process. That's why they do that shit. <laughs> yeah, but you know, and you know what? From what I see, because there's there's a lot of clubs all over the place. They're the, they're the hardest ones when they get a prospect in there. The ones who never prospected before, they're the hardest ones the the prospect for because they'll have you doing all types of crazy shit because they don't know nothing about it. Right. Exactly. Well, you know, you being out of New York and you know me in Chicago, you, could you imagine the boys freaking letting the street crew? go around doing what the hell they want to do, causing all kinds of freaking problems. You know, that's one of the things behind why the clubs say, hey, man, you know, what's your club about and what kind of guys you got in it? And, you know, you got any pedophiles? You got any rats? You got any cops? You know, they're out there trying to make it to where the public don't have to hear about shit because the public don't understand uh, what one club is from another. You know, citizens think, oh, anybody with a patch is a hell's angel or an outlaw. They don't know any fucking better. Yeah, they're looking at them no different than a, than like a, like a MS-13 uh, or right. something like that. Why don't the cops go chase them? You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, I, go 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 break their balls. I mean, you, here you got these guys. They're sitting in a fucking perfect example like the video. They're sitting in a fucking bar. They're not bothering anybody. They're minding their own business. A lot of these, a lot of these so-called, you know, a lot of these clubs that uh, these cops are chasing, they put more, they put more 
legitimate money into the communities than anybody else. Half these bars and restaurants that they're being kicked out of for wearing their colors, they wouldn't even be standing if it wasn't for their fucking money going in there exactly. and supporting the local mom and pop shops. They're the only reason why, because every that, that there even is still mom and pop shops around, because everything's going to fucking Walmart and all corporations and, you know, uh, franchises, I mean, and this or that. You, you hardly ever see. I don't know how it is in Chicago, but in New York, you want to go out for dinner, it's got to be the Outback or, or you know, places like that, because there is no mom and pop places no more. But when you have the bikers in the community, they put money back into the uh, the community. And right. what about all the toy runs they do? And not, not, that, none of that is ever mentioned. Exactly. Well, I you mean, know, you just, bring up another good point about that. And you know what? You're New York. I'm Chicago. So you know exactly what the hell we've been through. And, you know, we, we kind of got a bond that way. Uh, of course. Our guy, came, our guy came from New York in the 20s, if you know what I mean. You know. But, South Brooklyn, uh, yep. But, you know, I grew up, you know, you know Machikari is actually my great uncle's name. And I've used it since I was a kid and around the neighborhood and shit like that. I got to grow up with the guys and all that good shit, you know, but I won't say all the other bullshit. But one yeah. thing is for sure is the neighborhood I grew up in was fantastic when the boys were there. And then when the FBI came in and started causing all kinds of havoc, now it's one of the worst neighborhoods in Chicago. Same thing. Same thing in Brooklyn. They kept ordering the neighborhood. You could say, I'll put it to you this way. Right, let's let's be real. They were a necessary evil, okay? Right. There was, I mean, you could, you, there was, no, there was never no drugs in the neighborhood. There was, oh, wasn't no ladies no. get. There wasn't their old late. There wasn't old ladies getting their uh, fucking uh, uh, their purses snatched. Uh, you know, uh, there wasn't fucking armed robberies all over the neighborhood. I mean, you literally could leave a fucking wad of money on your car seat with the car running, go in somebody's house, have a cup of coffee. The car's still running and there's money on there. But once they started going in and they raided the places and people started doing fucking umpteen years and getting buried under the fucking jails, then all of a sudden the drugs started rolling in. And then where are the cops now? They're not there no more. They're letting everything run. Oh, they out. And it yeah, it turned into a fucking concrete jungle. So it ain't about exactly. the crime. You know, it's all it's all about it's all about like, like we always talk about what happened with uh, John Gotti, Sammy the Bull. Here, here you got John Gotti, who. It was never really proven that he physically killed anybody, okay? Right. But now you got you got Sammy the Bull, who's admitted he killed 25, I think it's 25 people, 19, 25, whatever, okay? But they let him go. Well, they gave him five years, and yet they fucking buried John Gotti under the jail. Why? Because the name John Gotti looked better on a resume. It looked, it was, it was a trophy. So don't sit there and fucking tell me that it's all about the, the safety and this and that. It's all about whatever fucking name. You have and what looks better on a piece of paper. They wanted John Gotti because he kept sticking his nose up at them. That right. is, so it became a personal vendetta. Because if it really was about crime, they would have told Sammy the Bull, listen, you're on your own. We're not taking no testimony. Here's another thing people don't even, uh, I don't, I don't hear too many people talking about. There was an interview with Donald Trump. Even Donald Trump said that there should be something done about, uh, uh, people being able to lie and testify in, in order to save their own, uh, to save their own skin. Exactly. Exactly. So, well, hopefully with uh, uh, Sammy the Bull, that fucking rag gets what Bulger just got. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm, I'm a firm. I'm a firm believer. He listen. He has to every day he wakes up. He has to brush his teeth and look at that piece of shit back at the mirror. He has to. And to me, that's that. that that's one of the worst punishments you could deal with. When the day the day that you can't even look yourself in the eyes. Because deep mm -hmm. down inside, you might fool a ton of people, but the day you can't even look yourself in the eyes 
because you know you're a low life piece of shit. That's to, to me. That's the, that's the best form of punishment right there. Right. That, right. But that's just me. Exactly. But uh, you know, you got some more articles coming up that you're going to be uh, putting out there. What uh, some of your other ones coming up? Uh, one of them I want to do is uh, what's really bothering me is, believe it or not, is the fucking uh, is the caravan. I've been watching oh, a lot God. of shit. Now here, you, they're talking about how what do they have like seven thousand troops or something like that there, but you know they're not mentioning because I was watching some uh, things off of YouTube and other places. You go a hundred miles up the road, it's wide open. Right. So I don't know. I don't know if they're doing this to make it like a big spectacle, like to make it like they're protecting the borders. But I don't know if you've seen it on the internet. They're literally going on top of the fucking uh, on the fence. They're hopping over, going back, this and that. They actually got buses of them bringing them right to the border. So I don't know. And George Soros, uh, yeah, Soros, he uh, he admitted that he donated to the caravan five hundred million. And you can look that up. Five hundred million. This is, in my opinion, this is a legal invasion. This is a. I wrote an article about this when I was in college. It was called uh, "Stop the uh, Stop the Silent Invasion." I got thrown out of the fucking classroom because they said I was mm. trying to incite a riot in there. And I knew this was coming. I knew this was coming. This is a legal invasion. And then they don't even mention if you look up towards uh, in New York on the uh, Canadian border, it's wide open. I mean, you could fucking stroll right by there. And if you pay three hundred dollars to go from Mexico to Canada, you just stroll right in. So, you know, they're protecting the borders, and you see them all with the fucking uh, the, the barbed wire fences, this and that, but all you got to do is go 100 miles up the road, and they're walking right over. So I don't right. get it. It, it, it. You know, I'm not a Republican, and I'm not a Democrat. I get it on both ends. I'm an independent, mm. because there's some things that I don't agree with with Trump. I, I personally, I voted for him, okay? I I, I voted for him because he promised to put a fucking wall up. Still waiting on the wall. How come Hillary's uh, you know, not with, fucking well with the Well, with the wall, man, them, his own fucking people are torpedoing him. And with Hillary, hopefully with a new attorney general, if you get a Christie or somebody in there, she'll go to jail, too, because that was a crook, man. You can smell that one a mile away. She puts uh, Costa Nostra to shame. Yeah, of course. It's a legal, it's a, it's a legalized, uh, legalized mob, but, you know... In my personal opinion, I catch a lot of heat for this. I really believe that there is no there is no two parties. I I personally, and a lot of people don't like when I say this, I personally believe there is no two parties. I believe it's one party, and it's all a fucking farce to make you think that you uh you have a say. And maybe all the maybe the roads that you take are different, but at the end of the day, it all leads to the same thing. Because look how many people are still pouring in, even with all those right. troops there. They're, they're still coming in. Maybe you're slowing exactly. it down a little bit, but, you know, something has to be done. I, well, then you got the fire going on in California. You got mass shootings going on all over the fucking place. It's to the point where I, I don't even want to go outside. Right. This country's yeah, going it, to hell. That's for uh, for sure, man. Yeah, and, and, and you know, and you sit back and there's nothing, there there really is nothing you could do to stop it. There there really is nothing you could do to stop it. It's, it, it's fucking, it's sickening. It's sickening. And, you know, it makes me fearful of what kind of uh, life my my kids are gonna have to grow up in if shit's this bad now because I don't I don't see things getting better I mean there's 
Well, I, I think really there's going to have to be a civil war before anything gets better. That's the way I, it's looking. At. It's been like, you know, this is the only other time in history was 1860 uh, when everything started popping off, and I think it's getting there again. I really hope that's not the case. I hope it doesn't come to that. I really do. I hope people wake the fuck up. I don't know. Who knows? We're going to have to sit back and watch what happens. But in the meantime, the least we could do is how what we're doing is uh, putting our minds together. And we don't have to agree on everything, but we could at least agree on the fucking most important issues that's going exactly. on because because there's an attack on our freedom. And it's it's not stopping. It's getting worse and worse. And it doesn't matter if you're in a in a club or not, like same thing like we were just talking about with the Mongols trying to take trade. Not not now when you when you spend money in, and you have the thing legally trademarked and it's supposed to be federally uh, federally uh, protected. Now they could just say, you know what, we're taking this because of this this and this. And they, they it was already fucking um, dismissed and they're picking it back up. I'm just curious when does it end? That's it. Right. You know? Right. Well, with that, uh, it was awesome having you on the show, New York. Uh, hopefully, we'll get you back on, and I know we're going to be uh, sharing your articles out there. And uh, don't forget, man, uh, tell the tell, uh, audience about uh, your fitness company. Oh, I got uh, Validus Fitness Trottle. They could go, we have, we're on Facebook. You can look us up. We also have, um, we have a clothing line out that we also do custom clothing, and uh, we have our own stuff on out of the box clothing and products at Uh A lot of the articles that I write are also on there. I have a blog on there. And uh, Validus Fitness um, is just that. I am a personal trainer, and we talk about uh, different exercises, uh, different types of diets. That uh, I try to stay away from the fad diets, but we talk about like uh, keto and what kind of exercises you could do if uh, you don't have a lot of weights around. And things like that. People are trying to, to, to cut their uh, fat, but they want to keep a, a lean muscle mass. And we give little tidbits and we exchange recipes. But what we're trying to do is pretty much because me personally, I have a passion for motorcycles and the fitness uh, scene is I'm trying to like merge them together. So oh, that's, that's what we're all about. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, everybody check out uh, New York's businesses. Uh, you hear the commercials all the time here on Motorcycle Madhouse. So give him a try out he has some awesome articles and uh we'll be uh bringing them to you on insane throttle biker news get some word out for them but uh with that new york we really appreciate having you on i appreciate everything thank you and i hope to talk to you soon buddy you too buddy all right take it easy hey this is james hollywood machikari hop on over and check out our YouTube channel where you can hear Motorcycle Madhouse and watch the Biker Angle. You can look up the new channel by going to our website, HarleyLiberty.com, or Insane Throttle Biker News in the YouTube channel search bar. Don't forget to have that prospect hit the subscribe button and that bell in the upper right-hand corner so you will always be up to date with the new channel content. Motorcycle Madhouse with James Hollywood Machi Curry. Yep, yep. Good to yep. go. Hollywood Motorcycle Madhouse on iHeartRadio. And welcome back from the break. I'm telling you what, man, that interview with uh, New York, uh, going over to Mongols' case, the Pagan case, that was something else. He's always welcome back on the show. But right now we have Germany from Rebels on a Mission. Chapter is the Digger's Crew. And let me tell you, when a friend of mine uh, 
actually recommended me checking out this site. I was really impressed with what uh, the crew is doing and how they are helping kids. I'm telling you what, it uh, puts a big fist in your stomach to see some of these uh, pictures of the abuse that kids are taking, and it's awesome to know that uh, a bunch of bikers are out there helping these kids. How you doing, Germany? I am doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, welcome to the Madhouse. Thank you. Well, you know, to start out, you know, like I was telling you offline, uh, I believe it was yesterday, the work you guys are putting in is just fantastic, but some of them pictures are really gut-wrenching, and it's nice to know that, you know, we have an organization out there helping these kids. You know, me personally, being a father, grandfather, I see that type of stuff. It's uh, It really kicks me in the balls, and, you know, Oh, it just gets to you, you know, the people that are committing these crimes against these kids, you just want to go medieval on. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's what's so heartbreaking is that the system is completely failing these kids. I mean, we went to court for one child. Um, the mom has fractured the bones. There was nobody there in court for that child at all, only us. There was not one family member at all. And she sits there kind of laughing. And then we hear that there's family court already discussing supervised visitations, and we were just floored. It's unbelievable. Now, how is it that the court would even think about supervised vision when you see the pictures of some of these kids and the abuse that they went through? I think what's happening is when you, like the story, when it was on the news, it goes through the media, people are, you know, outraged, and then it's forgotten. Nobody mm. seems to care anymore, and then there is not the pressure on the courts to actually yeah. take this serious and give them the punishments that they really deserve. Right. They just didn't, you know, a slap on the, on the hand. These kids are being put back. Mm-hmm. As an example, you have an abused woman. Do they not tell them all the time? Don't ever go back. You know it's not going to change. They're going to hit you again over and over. They have women's shelters. Children don't have that choice. They keep putting them back. Mm. They're, they're, they're victims with no voice at all. Right. Now, what is uh, some of the stuff that your organization does? Can you explain to the audience what it does? Um, well, we take... We take in families. We we consider them adapting them to our family. We go to court with them so they're not intimidated by the perpetrator. So we will Mm -hmm. take the family. They need to go to the restroom. They go to the restroom. We go through all the procedures with them. We we even help help them move. We are there 100%. We had a child call. One time she got all scared, and we had to leave our jobs. And we went for her to mm-hmm. feel safe. It is, you know, it, once you see that child changing and not being afraid anymore, and they put that big smile on when you show up, you realize you're doing it. You're making a difference. It, I get all emotional just talking about it because it's just so awesome to see that change in a child. Right, right. Now, how do you work with uh, the courts, or do you work with, uh, you know, what kind of agencies do you work with, or do the families just call you directly? 
um, the family most of the time calls, uh, contacts us directly and looks for support. Um, we do mm-hmm. have out of Jefferson County a group that started contacting us that are interested to work with us as well. Um, but most of the time it is the families, usually people that just don't know what to do. We have a case the the mom is just on her ends with uh, her the father of her two year old is a sexual repeated sexual offender. He does not even know the child, but the courts ordered for him to have visits. And they were oh all devastated. God. Yeah, it's terrible. So she wanted support. We've been first going with when the grandma just had visits. We all show up for the visit. We stand there. We want to make them notice that we are watching. We are there mm-hmm. 100% for that family. And then we went and rallied around the neighborhood, letting them know that he is out. And good news happened. Right now, he cannot see the child because apparently we made a, you know, we were the voice for the family. And it made a difference. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing to me that a court, you know, a sexual... You know, you're in the biking community, and you know we just don't tolerate uh, sexual offenders. Me, I can't stand them. I'd rather have them, you know, on a medieval torture device and, you know, let them, you know, pass out and wake them back up and keep on going. But that's just the way I feel about uh, sexual offenders. I think they're the lowest of the low and not even human beings when they go after a child. But it's just... It- it's just heartbreaking to hear that the courts are actually think they think about giving people that are convicted sex uh, offenders visitations to kids. It 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 just blows my mind. It, yeah, it does, and that's why we're trying to get the community more aware of what's really happening to the children, because the, you know you see a story here and there, and people forget. So the courts they're just not sending the message out to these people. And, mm-hmm. you know, the more we show up, the more pressure we put on them. And the more we get people involved, I think the more we can protect the children if we all work together as a community. And the biker community as a whole, is it's amazing to do it because we empower these children. You know, when you see a, when you see bikers, what is, you know, the, the first look is like they're tough. They're kind of scary looking. And mm-hmm. when the children see, they're all coming around them. They feel safe. They feel safe by the bikers. And that, you know, right. that's a total different perception than it's ever been. Right, right. And the kids, you know, they look up to the bikers and they know they're safe around them. Uh, now, do you have any uh, contact with other organizations that are in uh, the child abuse arena, such as BACA or Guardians of the Children? Do you guys ever get together or talk? Um, not. Uh, Guardians of the Children was a little different. We felt like their hands are mm-hmm. too, too tight for things we want to do. We're a little bit right. more aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have, <laughs> we do, we do have like a UPACA that we're in contact with. So we do refer cases. Like we've been contacted from other states where we don't have any chapters right. yet. We're trying to grow. So we will contact them and say, hey, can you help this family out there looking for help? And then they will take over and see what they can do. 
Right. So you've got a good network going on with the other uh, type of organizations that are, you know, with this cause of stopping child abuse then. Yes. Baca well, is actually the one that inspired us, inspired me, because about 20 years ago, it was actually my family and my children that were affected by abuse. And apparently we were the first case ever for Baca. And I never forgotten about it. And I always said, I'm going to learn how to write someday. And someday I'm going to give back what these fighters have given me. And there it is. <laughs> Man, that's a fantastic, uh, you know, statement right there, what you just said. Now, to become a member of your group, how does one go if somebody's uh, in your area, and I believe you're in Wisconsin, how do they go about uh, becoming a member of your group? They, we do do a background check because we obviously have to make sure you don't have any sexual offenses, um, any kind of violence against children. Obviously, mm -hmm. you're not going to qualify to be in there. We don't care about other things at all, really. You know, if you had a DUI, that does not affect us at all. That mm -hmm. does not affect you helping children. So you can right. contact us on Rebel on a mission.org. We will, we have once a month meetings. It's usually the second Sunday of the month in Palmyra and Cornerstone. We mm -hmm. do the background check. You'll hang around with us. Then you are, you are becoming a probationary member because we mm -hmm. want to see if you're going to be able to show up because it is a lot of commitment. This is not Something where you just get to come and, and, you know, we're not just always hanging out. We do, but you do have to be able to commit to this. Uh, right. You just have to have the, the heart in the right place. you got to be a writer, or you have to be a couple at least on a bike mm -hmm. to be a member. Now, does it, does it matter what bike there is or anything for people who are listening that might be interested? No, we... We do not discriminate okay. against what kind of bike. Okay. And, again, your uh, website is rebelsonamission.org. Uh, just with some of the pictures you put up, it was heartbreaking to me. And I'm really hoping that you get a great response out of our audience because it looks like you're doing like, – because right now I'm actually – looking at your Facebook page and, you know, looking at the amazing stuff that you, uh, your group does. And, you know, we're real proud of you guys. You know, the Diggers crew look like it's really out there and trying to make it a, you know, a difference in the community. Thank you. Yeah. And we have definitely need a need of members because we have a lot of cases and, you know, we have to take off from work. So it's hard sometimes for all of us to keep this going. So we are, in dire need of members and in dire need of people willing to open chapters. I got a friend that you are aware of. His name is Nian, that, that they really could use a chapter out there in mm -hmm. Rockford. So it would be great if we get some people out there together. We'll come, we'll come down, we'll sit down with them, we'll have meetings and help them all the way to get started and whatever it takes. Well, that's uh, just awesome right there. And you know what? We're hoping uh, that you guys do get a lot of chapters because there's a lot of cases of uh, child abuse, and that's real uh, 
unfortunate in our society that uh, the kids that have, you know, kids that don't have hurt nobody uh, get taken advantage of these uh, sick people and uh, end up getting hurt and uh, their childhood taken from them. And it's uh, groups like yours that are really out there making a difference. And the whole biker community is proud of you guys. And, you know, you guys just keep on kicking it. And uh, hopefully, you know, you grow real big. Uh, you know, you start matching back as numbers. And hopefully you guys uh, pull your numbers and really make a dent into this situation. I hope so, too. You know, one child face, it's, it's worth it. It's worth it. I just hope that everybody feels that same way. I want to see that, that change in the child's face, and they'll never leave. Right. Oh. And <laughs> you know what? I really encourage my audience to go Rebel, to Rebels on a Mission. And it's on Facebook. And you just can see some of the heartbreaking uh, photos of these kids. And you know what? By you guys going out there and uh, joining uh, organizations like Rebels on a Mission, you really could help put a dent in this. This is a real serious problem. And us as a biker community, we really got to keep it into the public eye because, like uh, Germany said, you know, you know, you see uh, pictures one day, you forget about it the next. The only way to keep it out there is uh, keep on voicing and being an advocate for these kids. Well said. Well, uh, anything, uh, you know what, we're really proud of you, Germany. Uh, any last words for us? Yes. We are really, really working hard to be able to get a one-piece patch. So if anybody wants to vouch for us, because the tougher we look, the better it is. Rock and roll. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's just awesome the hear and awesome what you guys are doing. But we really appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, we're going to really get you out there. I'm actually going to take one of your banners, put it on our uh, website uh, so people know where to go. And uh, I'm really, uh, really proud of you guys of what you're doing out there. And uh, I want to thank you and thank you on, thank uh, on behalf thank of you our so audience. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you helping us out, getting our name out there and helping more kids. There you go. Well, I appreciate it, Germany, and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay, sounds good. I'll see you on the 14th. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. The number one internet biker radio show is now available on Spotify and all major platforms including iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and more. Don't forget to become a subscriber on any one of these platforms so you can be notified right away when our weekly episode is uploaded so you never miss an episode. Don't want to fuck with. Your mouth all glued up with honey juice. I asked you a question. Oh my god, this girl's really turning me on. Suck me sideways. Are you gonna pull those pistols and whistle Dixie? Hollywood's Motorcycle Madhouse on iHeartRadio. On today's Legend of the Motorcycle Scene, Chopper Builder Indian Larry needs no introduction. Indian Larry, along with Paul, Fritz, Stag, and Frank, form the crew at Cycle Cycles. New York's Lower East Side, beginning in the early 1990s. During this period, they created a distinct New York City chopper style. In 2000, Larry and Friends opened Gasoline Alley in Brooklyn. Larry is credited with helping to repopulize the stripped-down 
tall handlebar foot clutch jockey shift, no front brake or fender, small gas tank, open pipe, kickstart only stock rake choppers that prevailed in the 1960s. Before long front ends became popular, Larry explained during his first biker build-off that he preferred nibbleness in a bike so he could ride at high speeds along the mountain switchbacks. When building a chopper, Larry could draw upon what he had mastered over the years in the fields of mechanics, welding, and metal fabrication. Among custom builders, Indian Larry was known and respected for having mastered the old school style of building and remaining loyal to it. Larry considered himself to be a gearhead originally and was rooted in the hot rod culture of the 1950s and 60s. During the biker build-off period in 2003 to 2004, Larry's appreciation for modern horsepower and twin carburetors for increased fuel air intake was expressed in his builds. Larry explained, quote, I'm a chopper builder, old time, old school chopper builder, but I like the modern technology that's involved. So the bikes run better, perform better, and we have more fun with them. In the art of building a bike, Larry preferred old school methods and didn't use CNC machines. He favored Paco rigid frames and panhead motors. Larry liked being able to see all the nuts and bolts and mechanics of a bike, rather than concealing those elements in a bike's construction. The way that Larry approached building a bike was evident early on. The man who taught Larry the craft of using a welding torch said that he remembered Larry not wanting to grind down welds if they were good because Larry felt it. Show your craftsmanship. Larry's childhood friend, Ted, who knew Larry when he was first learning to build and would chrome parts for him, said that Larry had even envisioned the ideal for a clear, see-through transmission case in order to view the gears working. Ted added that Larry would fabricate or customize every piece because on a motorcycle, you can see everything. Larry's shop partner, Paul, who first met Larry at 6th Street Specials in the East Village and started working with him at Psycho Cycles around 1992, explained how Larry conceived the ideal for a new chopper build. Working alongside him, you realize how much he ran on instinct. But instinct, he would rarely make a sketch or jot down notes. He just envisioned what he wanted in a one-eyed flash and would turn to you with a look like he had saw God. At that point, it was all over but the crying, he would say. Indian Larry appeared in Easy Rider magazines in 1998 in an article titled Hardcore New York City, Trabadors. Later that year, the magazine profiled Larry with his motorcycle, Grease Monkey, which won the 98 Editor's Choice Award at the Easy Riders Invitational Bike Show in Columbus, Ohio, which was an important recognition by the biker world of the Larry's talent. The beginning of Indian Larry became known to the general public. It was his appearance in the Discovery Channel's program, Motorcycle Mania 2, in 2001. The program's primary focus was on customizer Jesse James, but it also featured different scenes profiling Indy Larry as he and the group, which included Jesse James, 
Chopper Dave set out to ride 1,400 miles from Long Beach, California to Sturgis, 2001 Black Hills Classic in Sturgis, South Dakota. When one of the choppers breaks down in southern Utah, Larry is shown performing his mechanical skills on the bike in a supermarket parking lot. When his own bike has magneto problems, Larry explains to the camera, if the bike is not running, it's, if it's not leaking oil, and if it's dirty, that's about the only three things that will really get to me. The program also shows Larry displaying his famous neck tattoo, sharing snippets of his personal philosophy, and doing riding stunts. This included him reclining back on his bike, Grease Monkey, with his legs outstretched over the handlebars and standing up on the saddle with his arms outstretched to the side as he speeds down the highway. The group also visits Denver Choppers in Las Vegas, Nevada, now Reno, where Larry is shown meeting chopper builder Mondo for the first time. Indians Larry's transcended merely building bikes, Fellow bike builder Mondo said after Larry's death, I think he humbled a lot of people because he was so real and genuine. Rock on. Two books were published about Indian Larry in 2006. Chopper Shaman by Dave Nichols with Andrea Cambridge. Photographs by Michael Lichter. And Indian Larry by photographer Timmy the Indian Larry. Legend of the Motorcycle Scene. Hi, this is James Hollywood Machikari, host of the popular Biker Angle on YouTube and Motorcycle Madhouse's radio podcast on IR Radio. I like to invite everyone to check out my new books, The New Age of Biking and Brotherhood, and the number one new release in the transportation history category, Iron Order Motorcycle Club, the year that changed the motorcycle club scene. You will get a no-nonsense look at the current happenings in the scene. Both titles are available on paperback and Kindle through all major retailers, as well as an audio version of both of the books on Insane Throttle Publishing. Rock on! On today's America the Brave, Garland M. Connor, First Lieutenant. Garland M. Connor distinguished himself by acts of gallantry and intrepidity while serving with Company K, 3rd Battalion, 7th Infantry Regiment, 3rd Infantry Division, on the morning of January 24, 1945, near the town of Houston, France. German forces ferociously counterattacked the front left flank of the 7th Infantry Regiment with 600 infantry troops, 6 Mark VI tanks, and tank destroyers. Lieutenant Connor, having recently returned to his unit after recovering from a wound received in an earlier battle, was working as the intelligence officer in the 3rd Battalion Command Post at the time of the attack. Understanding the devastating effect that the advancing enemy armor could have on the battalion, Lieutenant Connor immediately volunteered to run straight into the heart of the enemy assault to get to the position from which he could directly direct friendly artillery on the advancing enemy forces. With complete disregard for his own safety, Lieutenant Connor maneuvered 400 yards through the enemy artillery fire that destroyed trees in his path and rained sharp metal all around him. While unrolling, telephone wire needed to communicate with the battalion command post. Upon reaching the battalion's front line, he continued to move forward under the enemy assault to a position 30 yards in front 
of the defending United States forces, where he plunged into a shallow ditch that provided minimal protection from the advancing enemy's heavy machine gun and small arms fire. With rounds impacted all around him, Lieutenant Connor calmly directed multiple fire missions, adjusting round after round of artillery from his prone position, until the enemy was forced to halt at its advance and seek cover behind a nearby dike. For three hours, Lieutenant Connor remained in his compromised position, enduring the repeated onslaught of German infantry, which at one point advanced to within five yards of his position. As a German infantry regrouped and began to mass in an overwhelming assault, Lieutenant Connor ordered friendly fire to concentrate directly on his own position, having resolved to die if necessary to destroy the enemy advance. Ignoring friendly fire, artillery shells blanketed in his position and exploding mere feet from him, Lieutenant Connor continued to direct artillery fire on the enemy assault swarming around him until the German attack was finally broken. By his heroism and disregard for his own life, Lieutenant Connor stopped the enemy advance. The artillery expertly directed, while under constant enemy fire, killed approximately 50 German soldiers and wounded an approximate 100 more, preventing what would have been undoubtedly been heavy friendly casualties. His actions are in keeping with the highest traditions of military service and reflect great credit upon himself the 3rd Infantry Division, and the United States Army. And that is your America the Brave. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Motorcycle Madhouse. Don't forget to go over to Insane Throttle's new YouTube channel and check me out over on Biker Angle. Also get your daily dose of biker news every morning at HarleyLiberty.com. If you haven't done so already, go like the new Motorcycle Madhouse Facebook page. And until next week, I'm James Hollywood Machikari. And remember, keep that throttle cracked wide open. Holiday tips and wine stories from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine and More. Did you know there are over one million bubbles in a glass of champagne? Here's to a whole lot of celebrating. Crisp whites like a floral Sauvignon Blanc pairs perfectly with shrimp cocktail and other light appetizers. Now that's how you kick off a holiday meal. Don't stress about choosing the right wine for a meaningful gift. Consider me your wine concierge. As you check off that gift list this holiday season, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection at Total Wine and More. Cheers. What's in store this holiday at your local Staples? Gifts and packages shipped with care. So you can relax in knowing they'll soon be there. Now at Staples, you get 15% off UPS shipping services and 15% off all shipping supplies. Plus, Staples is open seven days a week. So you can ship around your schedule this holiday. And still get everything out in time while spending less. Staples, there's a whole lot in store this holiday. Exclusions apply. In-store only. See associate for details. Ends 12 29 18